Welcome to the Electra International series, Think Like a Leader. We all enjoy hearing another person's success story, and we hope our conversations with leaders from across the electrical construction industry will help spark your interest and creativity in finding ways you can think like a leader. Welcome back, dear audience. We're so glad you're joining us this afternoon. I'm here with Maria Ryuman. She is the CEO and co-founder of Agora. We're going to learn a lot more about what Agora is and what it does. I hope you'll learn from her some special things about being a woman leader in the industry that we all know, electrical construction. Now, her company is not an electrical contractor, so keep listening, keep watching, and learn a lot more. Thanks so much for joining us, Maria. We really do appreciate having you here today. Thanks for having me, Caroline. I'm excited to be here. Now, you have described Agora as modernizing the construction industry supply chain. And there are so many different elements that have an impact on the supply chain. How do you demonstrate your leadership to each of the players involved? That's that's a great question. At Agora... Our mission is to modernize the supply chains. And that can mean a lot of things to a lot of people, which is why for us, and especially as the leader of the company, the most important thing for me was to really define what problem are we solving and how important is that problem? And so for us, from the very beginning, we focused on trade contractors because they are the ones that are ordering materials, they are the ones installing materials, and they are the ones that really run the supply chains on construction sites. And so starting with electrical contractors, we spent thousands of hours talking to people in field teams, talking to people in the office teams, talking to leadership of companies, really trying to understand how can we make procurement and the process of managing the supply chain streamlined for trade contractors. And that's when we saw that hundreds of hours are today being wasted on manual data entry, on chasing down materials orders, on trying to reconcile orders and invoices with really limited information. And that's where we saw that by specifically focusing on building a system that streamlined the process for trade contractors, that made creating requisitions seamless, that got the field and office teams onto the same platform and made it seamless for them to share information between each other, we could really modernize the process of ordering materials and drive a huge amount of value through that process. Now, as you formulated the concept for Agora, what were the elements of its approach to business that helped your investors be convinced, yes, this is going to make it, this is going to be worth our time and our financial support? It was honestly, it was a lot of things, but most importantly, it was the focus on trade contractors. You know, within construction tech, there's been so much technology that's been built for general contractors, for owners and developers, for architects. So much focus has gone on sectors that, or on user groups that aren't trade contractors, that when we came to investors, we talked to them about specifically the problems of trade contractors. And we talked to them about the problems of electrical trade contractors, first and foremost, in saying, hey, there's been so little technology that's purpose-built 
for the SUSE group, but the needs of the SUSE group are enormous. You know, when we think about the material supply chain, materials are 40% of the total cost of building a building. That for some of our customers is millions of dollars a year. And for some of our customers, that's hundreds of millions of dollars a year. And when we spoke to investors and we, we actually got a lot of our investors on calls with our customers so that they could better understand their problems and also better understand how none of the solutions in the market today that touch procurement are actually trade contract and native in the way that we built Agora to be. And that, I think, to investors was extremely appealing because they saw that there was this huge need in the market because people were telling them, you know, we're using everything from Excel to in-house systems that we've built to pen and paper in some cases. And that's where I think from an investor perspective, they realized, you know, a lot of the smartest engineers around the country, they don't know about the problems that trade contractors face or how truly crucial they are to, to the running of our cities. Did it take time for you to articulate all of that and then convince the electrical contractors that this was worth their time and attention? Or did they glom onto it right away because they really did see the need and understood it quickly? Was it a slow learning process or did it happen all at once? It, uh, <laughs> I wish it had happened all at once, but it was definitely a learning process. Our, our approach, and this is tying to the point I made about being really close to our customers, was that we didn't want to build anything sitting inside a dark room, making assumptions about what our customers would need. So from the very beginning, we found an early group of customers that we brought on as development partners. And with them, we made sure that they were close every step of the way as we were building the product. So we would create wireframes, we would come to them, we would talk to their field teams, we would talk to their foreman, and we would say, how can we make this more intuitive? How can we make this easier to use? How can we make the setup time faster? How can we make this require the fewest clicks possible so that you can get back to focusing on what you want to focus on, which isn't procurement, right? It's actually building. How to approach both your customer side, the contractor, and your investor side, did you feel that you needed to do, to go over and above in terms of what you had to say to them and how you had to say it because you are a female leading the company? <laughs> female leader, that's it, plain and simple. It wasn't always easy, especially at the beginning when we were getting started. I think there were definitely some people we spoke to that, that were skeptical. <laughs> um, but I have to say the first company that ever took a bet on us, our first ever development partner, that was a company run by a female CEO. And a lot of the companies today that we work with that are some of the most innovative, embracing technology, modern companies are run by women. And some of the most impressive companies we work with are run by women. And some of the most impressive teams that we work with are run by women. So I definitely think our approach was always, we need to earn people's trust, right? Trust isn't given. We can't just assume people will trust us. I think a lot of people in the construction industry have been burned by bad technology, right? That came in with lots of promises and oversold and actually didn't end up delivering, which is where we started by building up that trust block by block. We came to people, we asked them for their feedback and we would build exactly the features that they needed. And as they use those features and we got confidence 
us that this is a feature set that really does add value in the way we want, then we would start growing our sales team and expanding our reach. You know, if we think about the last two years, the set of problems that contractors have experienced has also been so exacerbated by COVID in that, you know, when we started, people often would say, oh, well, I I very frequently can order everything from one or two suppliers that I commonly work with. During COVID, entire supply chains shut down. Prices for very commonly ordered parts went through the roof. We had a lot of our customers who just couldn't get the materials that they needed to finish their jobs. And so then again, when we could talk to people about how we've already solved these problems for customers just like them all over the country, that helped trust grow tremendously because a lot of our customers were really in a crunch and we were able to come in and help them learn best practices and help them keep their material supply chains on track. In your materials, you describe several core values, and one of them is growth. How does your focus on growth impact the your approach to leadership when you're working with your creative teams? Are they are they equally impassioned about growth as you are? And and what do you have to do as a leader? What does any leader have to do to make sure that they're bringing the creative team along with them? Something we talk a lot about is what is a growth mindset and how do we engender a growth mindset? And generally, when we run our recruiting processes, we really focus on candidates who have a huge growth mindset. And what that means is that when you see a problem, you see that as fuel to go and find a solution. You don't just look at a problem and you say, well, this doesn't work. I guess that's it. Or, you know what? I'm seeing a problem and it's someone else's <laughs> role to deal with it. But it's people who see a problem and say to themselves, I don't know how to do this yet, but there is a way to finding it. And for us, that that's a number of factors that there is a large number of factors that we use to really encourage that. But one is a continuous focus on feedback. So we really make sure that feedback is frequent and that people not only give feedback that is actionable and that's actually task oriented, right? So it's relevant and people know how they can do something better, but also that people frequently ask for feedback because we're all in this together. We're all working to modernize an industry that, you know, we see a huge amount of opportunity and a huge amount of additional features and products that we want to build. And so that for us has meant that we need to really focus on feedback. And I think the other thing I'll say there is we also really believe that you need transparency to have growth, right? We hire extremely brilliant people and they need to have the full context of how the business is operating, how our customers are operating, how our customers are using products and how our customers are using features in order to do their best work. And so that's meant that, again, we are extremely transparent in sharing all company information, but also being really methodical about documentation. We have an internal company, Wikipedia, where we upload all information for everyone to see. Everyone can jump into calls and training sessions to understand how have customers that had a particular problem, how did they deal with it so that they can then teach new customers best practices and that level of transparency has both helped us really build a lot of trust with our team because they know that they're operating in a context where they're empowered to find solutions to problems, to take ownership, to drive solutions themselves. And 
where they know that if they don't have the answer to something immediately, that's fine. But what we focus on is how do we build a roadmap and a solution to get to the point where we're building and we're confident that what we're building is going to add value. Nobody at all in any part of the world could have ever anticipated how every aspect of life was going to change because of COVID and the pandemic. We, nobody knew at all. And obviously, as you've already said, it did have an impact on the supply chain. It did have an impact on trade contractors. As you think about going forward and presuming that eventually nobody will wear a mask and we'll be either living with or out of pandemia, are there things, are there ideas, are there trends Are there things that you're saying to your people, watch out because you see new things coming at the construction trades that maybe people aren't thinking about yet? I mean, definitely, I couldn't agree more about the pandemic. But a lot of the trends that we've seen the pandemic kick off are trends that we see are likely to stay and are going to be a new normal. And I think one of those is that companies need a system of record when it comes to their materials, right? People are going to increasingly work in remote, in, in remote work environments, and people need to know where things are and what's already been ordered and what's arriving where and actually have control over their entire projects. Another thing is, and the pandemic definitely with you know, materials price fluctuations made everyone very well aware of this, but people need and have gotten so much more aware of the need to become more, to, to focus more on the earlier part of projects, right? So to do larger materials buyouts in advance, to make sure that they're locking in prices for materials that they know that they're going to need, to give themselves the lead time to actually get quotes from multiple vendors and be able to negotiate better terms for themselves. Because what we saw happening a lot before the pandemic, which is a lot of companies were relying on ordering things last minute and having close relationships with distributors mean that they could get those things prioritized. Now, you know, even with the pandemic where it is, we're still seeing a lot of supply chain disruptions and a lot of supply chain hurdles that we're going to need to be overcoming in the coming years. And so doing materials buyouts in advance, having a system like Agora that then allows you to track how are my quantity drawdowns going compared to how I thought they were going, having a system that allows you to monitor what are your delivery lead times, when is something meant to be arriving so that you can make sure you have the crew on site to actually receive it and to make the best use of people's time. Those are all trends that are going to continue. And having a tech-based system in the same way that, you know, we, we all now walk around with computers in our pockets. And so seeing how much technology can help people actually stay on the ball and be real time up to date across the different teams that they're working on. That is a trend that we're also seeing is going to continue to accelerate, you know, especially as folks enter the workforce in the next five, 10, 20 years who grew up with computers in their pockets. You and your company recently made the decision, and we thank you very much, to become a founder member of the Electric Council. What do you think that you and your colleagues bring to the table? What are you bringing to Electric? And then the flip side of that, 
What are you hoping to gain from your involvement with Electric? So first and foremost, we have been so impressed with the research that Electric is doing. Now, what we bring is we are a technology company. We think all day long about how we can build technology tools to make processes more efficient, to make companies more efficient, to help us build the built environment around us faster and more cost-effectively. And so what we bring firstly is a huge amount of technological know-how and you know, the ability to take a lot of the research that you're coming out with and to help action on it, right? To help build tools that solve a lot of the problems and a lot of the key priorities that Electri research highlights. And the second thing is we're also bringing a real focus on the material supply chain. You know, when we think about the issues that are important to tackle across construction, there is a myriad of them. <laughs> you know, a lot of them touch, a lot of them touch labor, a lot of them touch design, a lot of them touch new material standards. But what we bring is a real specialization and a focus on the materials aspect of things. And we really look forward to being your thought partners on how can we continue to streamline purchasing and procurement across the construction industry? And how can we spread the best practices that we're gaining across the industry so that we can make everyone across the U.S. continually more efficient and really help them benefit from a lot of what we're building? You look back on your own career and now as head of Agora, what would you tell us, tell our audience, is the best advice that you personally have ever received? Stay close to your customers. There's an old adage that says your competitors won't get take you out of business, your customers will. And I think that is so fundamentally true in that what we are building is really lives or dies by how easy it is for customers to use and how much value customers get from it. And so for us, the most important piece of advice that we've gotten is everything that we build constantly get feedback from our customers, approach everything with a growth mindset of learning how can we make things continually better, never becoming complacent with saying we've already solved this problem, let's move on, but always iterating, always thinking about how we can make things easier to use and how we can continue solving more and more problems for our customers. As you think about your leadership and your leadership style in general, not necessarily related just to Agora, what advice would you now give to other people who are watching or listening to this who might appreciate learning something from you as a piece of good advice about how to be a good leader and how to think like a leader? Take extreme ownership for a leader in any context. The most important thing is the team and the mission. And if the team is not accomplishing the mission, the leader, it's on the leader. The leader's not doing something right. And so I think having leaders take extreme ownership and really spread that across their organization such that the leaders of individual teams and departments also start taking extreme ownership. That is what really builds trust among teams. That's when teams see my leader knows it's their responsibility to make this team effective. And my leader is being introspective and thinking about how they can continue to drive improvement and owning up to their mistakes when they make them and 
you know, there's, there's an excellent book about extreme ownership that talks about how the SEALs really have truly embodied and embraced this philosophy in order to, you know, go through extreme situations in, in wartime. And I think a lot of those lessons also really apply to building companies, which is training every leader at a company to really take extreme ownership for themselves and see it as their own duty to make their team successful. How do you take extreme ownership without becoming a micromanager? So that's a great question. Firstly, it's setting very clear priorities, setting clear priorities and setting clear objectives. You, as a company, you aim to hire really excellent people. If you very clearly explain to them what it is that you want them to focus on and why it is that that thing matters, that then means that they have all the context they need to actually go and succeed. And then you also want to build a cadence where you're regularly checking in on things, right? You want to know if there's anything that you can do to unblock things. Or similarly, you want to be tracking progress so that you're not micromanaging, but you're also not so hands-off that you don't know what's going on. And so I think the importance there is first to set very clear objectives, to have clear check-in points where you get progress and you understand how the progress is going. And then finally, it's continuing to give feedback. At the end of every task, framing that feedback as a wish that, as a here is what went great and here is what I want us to improve for the next time. So that next time that you work together, again, you can see those lessons being put into practice and empowering your team in the process to know that they own their objectives. Is there any topic that we haven't talked about this afternoon that you'd say, you know, one message I'd really like to transmit to our audience is anything else you want to bring up? I think that the most important message for us is just firstly, we're extremely excited to be working with Electri. As I mentioned, you know, the work that you're doing at the forefront of the industry to continue to push the industry forward to us is so inspiring and You know, it very closely ties to what we're trying to do, which is to really think about how we can continue streamlining the supply chain, how we can help contractors all over the country save money and save time, and how it is that we can work together to make sure that what we're building is as useful and as widespread as it can possibly be so that, you know, we we get the construction industry to, to continue to modernize um, in the ways that, you know, will benefit all of us. Well, Maria, thank you so much for your time this afternoon. You have clearly described different kinds of partnerships, partnerships with your own creative team, partnerships with your companies, partnerships with the electrical contractors that you're working with. And now your newest partnership is going to be, and I'm sure it's going to be successful with Electric International. So thank you again. And thank you to our audience for tuning in. We really do enjoy each of these Think Like a Leader conversations. And we look forward to being with you again soon. Bye-bye for now. Thank you for joining us for today's Think Like a Leader conversation. You can access every interview in this series on our website, electri.org, or you can subscribe on your favorite podcast app. This is a remarkable look inside the electrical construction industry, and it's yours for the listening.